When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Ballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Sidekick, sidekick Josh Landy. There he is, resplendent on in it, not in his Soho style office, but practically what you 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 outside? Are you kind of sitting outside, bathing in the Tel Aviv sun. Well, it is uh, eight pm at night as we record oh, okay. this. I'm not sure the Tel Aviv sun is quite accurate, okay. but I am indeed outside, lest I wake up my daughter. And I'm enjoying the novelty of recording this podcast, mm. not in my Soho House office, as you correctly referred to. Where are you, Boyd? You're at home. I'm at home, yeah. Uh, I was in New York last week. I did record two podcasts in New York, not 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 this one. Um, what did you do from home. New York? I did um, a uh, my pilot TV one, which is the weekly uh, new one out today, and I did a spoiler special Empire slash pilot TV one about the about um, Better Call Saul, the TV show on the Netflix. Um, much as I'd like to bang on about all of this stuff, we should get to the magic hand. We've got we're joined by uh, stalwart guest Alan Alga. Hi, Alan. How are we doing, guys? Not bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Good. I'm glad you're here. Alan's fine. I'll tell you why Alan's fine. Because Alan gets to spend a lot of time watching West Ham United. And all right, yeah. they might not be going amazing yeah. in the league. But hey, yeah. they've had a hell of a European run. And Alan gets to enjoy European nights this season. And he might be watching the winners of the Europa League. I did I did get accused uh, of over-celebrating the Seville <laughs> win that West Ham had by uh, an Arsenal supporting colleague at Betway who joined me at the game and said, uh, oh, I'm a bit worried about how you celebrate there. But um, look, it wasn't against Arsenal. It didn't affect us. Then beating Seville. And then obviously they've gone on and beat Leon in a way that um, I could not have predicted. So um, it's, it's all going well for them. But obviously that when they play Arsenal in a few weeks' time, I will be fully, fully behind us. It's not... Uh, mm. 
it's not it's not that kind of situation. But from a yeah, as you say, Josh, from a professional point of view, it's been great watching them. Of course, it's good for us anyway. The, the better they do in Europe, the further they go, the better it is for us because they're one of our um, many now uh, candidates, rivals for the top four place. And we play them, don't we, in the middle of the two legs? We do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's good news that they yeah. have persevered with their European adventure yeah. and the results they've had in the Premier League are probably suggesting you know, they're, they're certainly not really in the top four race, all the eggs are firmly in the European basket. So yeah. if Arsenal can somehow maintain some level of interest in the top four, then that West Ham game feels winnable, um, given what the priorities West Ham will have. Yes, it, it certainly does. They've got they've got Frankfurt either side of that. They've got the, the home leg. Then they'll be looking towards the away leg um, as we play them on, on that Sunday. Um, I suppose Burnley felt the same as they came into the game at the London Stadium yesterday. It was one of the strangest 10 minutes of, of Premier League football I've ever witnessed. Not that a ball was kicked in the 10 minutes, but you had uh, a broken leg on the pitch, then two medical emergencies in the crowd, pretty much one after the other. So it was just a lot of time with the medical personnel just dashing about, dashing about. And then by the time the game was restarted yesterday, West Ham had switched off from marking, which is probably one of the key points of David Moyes drilling them in terms of success this year is that they, you know, they, they get the ball cleared well. Um, and, 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 and obviously Burnley have, have, have had a penalty to, to win the game. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think now that they're, they're not, they could, they'll, they'll be a difficult game and it won't be a walk over there, but I don't think they're the one of the ones that we're, we're challenging at the moment. Yeah, unlike um, unlike Spurs and Man U now, and I have to say, I put it to you, Alan, that about a month ago, I think the last time you were on the podcast, you were fairly, you were unusually bullish, I thought, about um, Arsenal's top four um, chances. Um, am, uh, is that accurate to say you were fairly kind of, I think while I was being traditionally pessimistic and feeling that any minute, you know, we could be challenged by Spurs, I mean, I wasn't actually expecting Man U to challenge us that much. I thought it was between us and Spurs. Well, I, 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 was, in, I was incredibly worried because I saw, oh, okay. I saw the message from the lovely Sophia and thought to myself, have I been astonishingly mm. off-brand during, mm. during this podcast? You were. Uh, because I don't, I don't try and be positive or negative. I try and be realistic. Um, but I think what I was trying to do was that the end of each sentence, because I listened back on one of my tube journeys during that week, and I was oh, yeah. effectively just trying to round off each point by saying, we might as well look on the bright side of this particular point, as in, you know, if it is lack is right. out front, then he's helping the youngsters. If it is if it is an injury to one of the, one of the back four, then we need to be, you know, optimistic that someone comes in and changes it. So I think it was more optimism than, than actual... Mm outright joy and belief that we were going to somehow do something in terms of the top four. But you look at it again this morning in what has been a sort of, it's not been ideal between my last appearance and this appearance, yet no. there still is a good enough chance that we could do this in another way. And when, right. you, when I say another way, you look at some of the times that we've sort of come out of adversity before. I mean, even... You know, people love to say about Anfield 89, but in in, in actual fact, 
the build-up to Anfield 89 and what we nearly tried to throw away is as dramatic, if it, you know, if not more of the story. The fact that we go there having to having to win two 0 because we've had it we've had it in our hands and thrown it away. So maybe, maybe I don't know. Again, trying to be optimistic. Maybe we're going to earn this, but earn it in a, an unrealistic or uh, right. a way that won't be as easy as we suddenly felt when we were um, favourites to do it. Josh, you were going to say something. I was. What I was going to say is I'm, I'm with Alan on this. I think after that result, I saw a huge amount of negativity, effectively suggesting that it's over. It is not over. It, it really no, is of not. Of course because it's not Tottenham's defeat, but it, the reaction was as if it was. And there are glimmers of optimism. If we if we turn to our friend, the XG, on these last couple of games, Brighton and Southampton, then you will see, we, I don't, you know, we didn't deserve to take nought, you know, nothing from those those games. And um, the, the one downside of doing this podcast uh, is there probably an aircraft going over overhead. Apologies. God. God. Apologies for that. Um, you know, the XG probably suggests that we've been unlucky to take um, no points. And if we go back to the beginning of the season, would we have grabbed the situation we are in, that we are genuinely in the top four race, then we would. And, and it all rests on the next two games. I think if we can take four points from Chelsea and Man United, we are absolutely in it. Three, I think we're clinging on. And zero, we are, you know, zero or one, we're, we're done for. Um, I like the fact that the XG stat, which I consider to be a damning indictment of our absolutely diabolical um, squad building or lack of it process, you consider to be positive. I consider it to be a gigantic negative. In fact, I'm looking at... I was no. Like, I, I won't let you say this. I won't because then even it's great that we've got Alan here. It, it will play right, Alan, into the odds and the expectation that we have created those chances because over the course of a season, you create that many good chances like Saka's on We're Saturday. not scoring them. But the expectation right. will be over a course of a season, it will level out and you, you no, would expect to score. It doesn't level out. That's too wrong. See, uh, see. Alan. <laughs> Alan, you're wrong. It doesn't, level, it doesn't necessarily Josh, level I, out I, at all. I, See, my problem, even though obviously this did come from the gambling industry or certainly a very prominent professional gambler, this this way of looking at football matches, is that the one thing I've always had a problem with is something I'm going to actually side with Boyd on here. Um, the problem that you've got with XG is that it is based on if you had an average striker what would be the chances of scoring? So you take, if it's a Premier League XG chance, you take take the average Premier League striker and say he would score that X amount of times out of out of uh, uh, out of hundred, and then you give a ranking to each shot. My problem and my one question I've always had with these guys, and bear in mind they make fortunes, so look, there obviously is something to this. My one doubt I've always had with the method is they've never been able to properly explain to me how if a side hasn't got a, a, a better than average striker or a striker out of form or a poor striker, how that actually does affect right. the, the, the validity of, of a figure after a game. 
And they obviously give you an answer to say, well, look, this is an overall figure of the way your team's playing. So surely, you know, after three games, you change that striker, you put another striker in. So I think we're in a unique situation of almost proving XG's flaws rather than what you've optimistically said, Josh, is that it will come back to us. I actually think we're in a very unique position that we don't have the personnel to grab at this as a lifeline and say, look, we're creating the chances. So we've got another two players coming in. Look, look, we, we're going to create this XG maybe right till the end of the season with unfortunately Enketia and Lacazette being the two that we're asking to finish off these chances and the figures might continue. If we had two new strikers to bring in off the top of this or two equally good or average Premier League strikers as the stats are based on, then maybe I would say those figures are going to bounce back for us soon. And, that, and that's we, we, why I'm going to slightly disagree. We, we can't ignore them, though, surely, because it no, shows no. at least the opportunities that you're you're making. The fact that we got a better XG than than Southampton suggests, you know, arguably that you're you're unlucky to lose the game. I agree. I'm not. You can't take it for the be all and end all. But, but I think we have to respect that we did create opportunities. I just think, and look, yeah. I, I had to be at Wembley for work. I didn't see the whole ninety minutes. I've seen very extended yeah. highlights. I don't think we deserve to lose the game. I think a point would have would have felt right um, and do that. And therefore, I. I I just think hopefully in a way that under Emery, we choked at the very, very end of the season and we threw it away. Hopefully our choke, if if that's what we can call it, and that feels loosely fair given the games were against Crystal Palace, Bryce and Southampton. And, you know, we'd have probably all been disappointed with anything less than six, seven points out of those three games. If we rewind, you know, to the international break, then uh, hopefully our, our sort of choke has come early, Boyd. Hopefully um, this yeah, is now the end of it and yeah. we get back on tomorrow, uh, sorry, Wednesday, and it's Chelsea all back away. in play. Chelsea away. Did you watch the Chelsea match yesterday? I mean, I'm sorry, but I know they laboured a bit. I mean, Crystal Palace did did, did, the, did the excellent job kind of tactically for a while and then Chelsea just kind of stepped up a bit and and, and easily quite easily beat them. I, I I think I mean we'll get on to it. I don't want to preempt our predictions, but I've got a strong prediction for the Chelsea game in my mind. But just one more thing about this fucking XG bullshit, right? What I'm saying is is that the lesson to learn when you are that far away from converting your chances is that we have no fucking we have the worst striking options of any major team in the league that's the that's what you learn that's the lesson to be learned from this xg thing and i go back to the fact that at, at in january when we materially weakened the, our squad we didn't just not strengthen it remember we got rid of Aubameyang and Balogun two strikers now obviously Balogun's gone alone he's scored a few goals I'm not saying you know he would have been he would at least been an option and I feel a better option than Eddie Nketia who was deeply mediocre when he started the game uh, at the weekend so you know everyone said Alan didn't they every every Arsenal fan every pundit is like are you sure that getting rid of Aubameyang no matter what the the issues were with him, we'll get on to that. You know, we can get on to why I feel is um, Arteta's severe man, man management issues. Just on a purely practical level, to let your best striker in the club go, no matter what form he was in, and not get anyone else in at all, was is an astonishing lack of foresight and basic common sense. And we weakened our squad in January. Spurs strengthened it. 
other 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 teams, you know, just kind of carried on saying we actually weaken us, or particularly in the striking department. That's why our fucking XG is so diabolically distant. That's why when we're missing all these chances. That's yeah. why as Albino, this stat. I'll just give you this stat. Um, Arsenal have scored just two goals from their last seventy-three attempts in the Premier League. Yes. Look, I mean, I <laughs> I will go back to saying that. You know, if we're if we're asking for the XG to bounce back in our favour, using the same two strikers will probably suggest that it might not, or they might get a bit luckier. They might be a bit unluckier, but it won't drastically improve in a way that we're going to be astonished. Um, and the other thing about the Abamyang situation is that we're sort of getting into the realms, and I've seen the argument elsewhere that had he stayed he still would have been in a slump of form or a sulk that meant that he wouldn't be converting these chances either. And that actually speaks to the player's attitude. I I, I really don't believe that you're, you're ever going to get into the realms of players going out to miss chances for bosses they've fallen out, fallen out with. Um, I've seen equally ridiculous stuff saying that Nketiah and Lacazette are not trying at the moment because if we did achieve European football they'd both be the first out of the door. Uh, again, I think that's ridiculous. I don't I don't think players go out on the pitch to to purposely underperform to such an extent that it's going to affect that you know their own personal stats and personal um, achievements in the game. So I think I think that's quite far fetched. But what it does speak to is the fact that if you cannot get the player back on side and believe your only option is to weaken the squad then it speaks to, as you've said, the man management um, now that he probably doesn't have at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, Josh, you, I mean, we all thought this was going to happen, didn't we? It's just coming to... I feel like my my, my, my the most embarrassing kind of um, period for me is when, when I got so carried away with our decent period where it seemed like we were coping without Aubameyang. We were coping with having weakened the squad. But of course, that now feels like the, a complete mirage. And, and the, you know, this what's happening now with a few absolutely key injuries, terrible, terrible injuries to the worst possible players in our squad, particularly, you know, in midfield, I think, um, uh, party. It's just, it's all happening. Everything that we thought was going to happen is happening, isn't it? And I, and I now seriously worry that we're in a, down, we're in a downward spiral um, and we could easily finish seventh, eighth. Am I being completely insanely pessimistic? Um, I, I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be that, that low. I think it will be um, I, a seventh at worst. Absolute worst would be seventh. Is seventh the uh, Conference League? The the, the uh, I mean, I believe it is. I believe it is this right. season. I mean, that's the ultimate disaster, isn't it? <laughs> is that Josh? I think it does depend on how West Ham get on. I believe, mm. and so yeah. how how the Champions League plays out. Um, but yeah, to, I, I believe it. it we can absolutely, yeah, we, we we can absolutely end anywhere from fourth to seventh. Uh, you could you could make arguments for you know any anywhere in in between. And what United have done is brought it back into just about a three horse race. I think it's still heavily a two horse race between um, Arsenal and Spurs. Obviously, if Arsenal were to to lose to Manchester United, it, it's you know it absolutely is a three horse race again for for fourth and United probably leapfrog Arsenal into second place in that three horse race. Um, Boyd, you 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 were too pessimistic at points, and then you were too positive 
at points. Yeah. I think that is that yeah. is fair to say, I, boys. I, you are basically you know. you're too emotive, Boyd, is, <laughs> is what we can conclude from here. And you need to take control of those emotions as they go into such highs and lows unnecessarily, whereas I am clearly more level-headed. Um, okay. And I think for most of the season, I felt we finished fifth. I got lured into it a couple of weeks back after that win at Villa Park and thought, actually, we can we can do fourth. Um, and even the optimist in me is still thinking about, as I think everyone thinks about, Martinelli's goal at Chelsea. And then obviously we even won at Chelsea um, last season, didn't we? We, we? we managed to scrape a win. And if we can... yeah. Yeah. Scrape a win there, then we are, you know, we are back, yeah. back on it. So I agree. I, agree. I, I think ultimately, when yeah. all is said and done, you you, you were speaking about Aubameyang, and you can probably throw Maitland, Niles, and Chambers into this January yes. equation because yes. we'd we'd have seen them Absolutely. for sure. We'd have seen them. Yeah. The amount yeah. of game time Cedric has got in the last couple of months. Oh. The amount yeah. of game time Lukonga has got in the last couple of months. I think there's arguments to say um, that Chambers and uh, you know you know, would have probably gotten ahead of Cedric. I, I also uh, am concerned about Ben White. I think he had an injury that, towards the end of Samson game. Um, I, I'm told there might be a problem there with, with Ben White's fitness, certainly coming up in, in the weeks and uh, potentially towards the end of the season. So, Great. you know, the injury situation might be getting worse than gets better, obviously, Thomas Partey as well. So the Aubameyang decision I, was always going to rest could Arsenal see at home? And if we had petered out to fifth without the, getting ourselves into the situation that we did, people would still be saying it was okay. It was the right decision. It's the way we've done. It's the way we have arrived where we've arrived now after these three defeats that I think is blinding people that it was the wrong decision. The breakdown of relationship was too big. He had to go. Hold on. No, 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 no. You can't say these last three defeats are blinded. These last three have proven what stupid decision it was. Loads of what managers. I'm saying, wait, a minute, is, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. I went no. to Wolves, Boyd. I went no. to Aston Villa. If we had gone and lost those games, but one at home to Brighton, what I'm saying is it's the way the results have fallen that I think are making it now that it's because it's literally off a cliff that we have gone in the last three games rather than if we've gone and lost at Wolves 1-0 no lost you're missing at the point Josh you're missing the point the point is we've scored two goals from 73 attempts it's definitely and time for a break the po- <laughs> it's time for a break after come I finish on, this point come on Josh I mean it's loads of managers fall out with players it happens all the time very 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 few managers let the, a player go who is clearly their best striker even if they've fallen out with it let another striker go on loan and not strengthen in any way they're pragmatic any intelligent manager or club is pragmatic and if you if it means that you fall out with a player and you sell them without any backup without bringing anyone in in a massively terrible array of strikers that you've got and you're going for fourth place in the league it's insanity no other manager would do that they just deal what? with it you just you just just have him on the bench just bring you on it doesn't matter you have to save you have to save face you have to sometimes pragmatism is what this job is about what i am saying is had we not had this you know run of run of defeats have we not scored you know uh, obviously we you know we just scored only one goal in in those three games we lost what I am saying, Boyd, I don't think this Aubameyang situation... Uh, what I'm saying is there is a potential. Arsenal could be in fifth place in mid-April, right? We could have all predicted Arsenal be in fifth place mid-April and the Aubameyang conversation wouldn't be as big as it is. It, I, I think it is to do with Arsenal falling off a cliff and mm-hmm. Lacazette being out. Eddie Nketiah having oh, to play his start his first game in a year. 
I mean, it is. Uh, I mean, know, not a, no, I just say by the way, before we go to the break, we're actually sick that because we, we're behind Manu on on. Um, we've got the same goal. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're and right. by the way, we've only one game in hand, and that game in hand is against Chelsea. Let me remind you, and we played them on Saturday. Anyway, we'll talk more about the game, the actual game. We, I get more. I want to find out from Alan what the current odds are, and um, I I will tell you now. I've totted up what I think the points will be for the rest of the season for Arsenal, Manu, and Spurs, and I'll reveal my results, my workings out after this break. And we're back from the break. Um, Alan, what are, what is the current betting on the on the top four? Can you can you reveal all? I can indeed. We are drifted out to five to two, so um, two and a half to one. Um, Chelsea, obviously, last time I spoke to you guys about the prices, they were um, just clinging on to whether or not they would actually get a top four place in the respect of. Yeah. being third place and nailed on for third place. Um, they are back nailed on for yeah. third place because of the performances of the other teams. Uh, West Ham, as I said earlier, look, they're out to about 50 to 1, 66 to 1. I, I don't think they'll be the threat. Uh, United with that late winner the other day, even though their performances haven't been great, are into 6 to 1. And obviously that leaves you, if you're adding all the things up with an unfortunate position that Tottenham are, in the absolute driving seats at uh, about eight to thirteen, sort mm. of uh, four to seven. So um, it's in their hands, and that they've switched those odds around since since we last spoke. And I mean, I just wanted to go back to because you guys are arguing about which sort of streak um, sort of proved out either our downfall or the fact that we were being too optimistic. I just want to go back and say. And I, I think it was LeGrove that I was trying to point in this direction, but he wasn't having any of it to the point most people are now thinking that um, he's, 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 he's uh, got an agenda for the club because he's just not accepting when he's being told that he's, that he's wrong. But um, as much as I love his content and everything else, look, I, I said to him, my problem was the December run of four games where we were scoring goals for fun and went on a, a run of four uh, four straight wins in, in the league. Now, you're, you're obviously thinking now, why are you saying you had a problem with that? Because it's been the only free scoring, the only free scoring and only run that we've had in the Premier League where we scored more than two goals per game and looked as though we are set to play attacking football. We beat Southampton 3-0. We beat West Ham 2-0. We went to Leeds and to Norwich, scoring nine goals. So, obviously, it was 14 goals in four games, conceding only one in the process, 100% record in the league, up to Boxing Day. And you can even, if you like, and I don't begrudge anyone doing this, add in the fact that the first 60 minutes against Manchester City can be tacked on to the end of that Norwich game, saying, look... Yeah. You're playing an incredibly good team. And I think it is justified saying that we compete in the league with two of the best teams in the world. They are one of them. And we and we we held our own against them for 60 minutes. So you got four games, 60 minutes, all those goals mm. and everything else. Mm. That, for me, was taken such a wrong way by some of Arteta's super fans. <laughs> and I do not doubt that it might have been taken the wrong way by the man himself. And it put him into January 
with this inflated sense of what he could do. And all the while, if you looked at the teams we played in that four-game run and saw the fact that most of them, most of them, and this is an exaggeration, most of them had their first two holding midfielders out and at least two, and in West Ham's case, four, of their usual back four out. So if you could get a run of perfect Premier League fixtures, that was it. And I said, do not get carried away by this. It's wonderful that we've won. You have to beat what's in front of you. But do not believe that this tells you a story other than great set of fixtures to have. And what did we do? We looked as though we got all this confidence from it. There was all this stupid paper talk of new, uh, new contracts for Arteta and everything solved. And even when we went and, um, you know, stunk the place out at Nottingham Forest to sort of slightly dent Arteta's FA Cup record, because I think if you can go and play that badly against Forest, then it sort of diminishes your wins in the competition because it shows you what a random competition is for selection and stuff like that. So he's even dented his FA Cup win by going there and, 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 and showing that you can just as easily get knocked out by one of the most out-of-form teams in the in, in, in that division. So he, it's getting carried away with that kind of thing that led us into a January where we didn't strengthen and thought, oh, well, to hell with Aubameyang and we can get rid of him. And look, we've had a good winning run of, of games since then as well. The, the, the Watford uh, through to Leicester games, but four of those were by one margin. Mm. They weren't big wins. So that was telling yeah. you something. That was yeah. telling we could easily swing back the other way. And we didn't take that warning. And, you know, we found ourselves where we are. Now, again, low margin stuff. I'm not saying the Palace game at all. I think we deserve to be beaten there. It was a terrible performance. But the other two games, uh, certainly Southampton, a low margin, one nil the other way if Saka puts his chance in. Um, I I actually thought the ball was out for their goal, same as at Brentford. You know, it was almost the identical position. Um, yeah. Sure, they checked it. Um, so a little bit of luck elsewhere. We could have had low margin wins the other way. So it's not over, but let's not get carried away again if, if the story is there for us. If, if there's an explanation behind why we're beating teams three or four nil, then you have to take it. You have to... You have mm. to be humble enough to take it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. I think I think he believe, believes his own press. I think he's very... I do think he's... I mean, all football managers are arrogant to some extent. You have to be arrogant, don't you, a little bit to, yeah. to kind of even... But I do feel there's a kind of like... Almost like... I think he feels he's Pep, you know, and that he can kind of pull... Do, do, perform miracles with his coaching and, and his tactics, etc. But unfortunately, whereas Pep's got, you know, 22 world-class players, a whole, in every world-class players in every position, we've got a bunch of idiots. You know, once you go beyond about the first 11, 12 players. And I think he kind of deluded himself into thinking, particularly, I'm not going to say it one more time, the Aubameyang thing, that, all, that he could sort it all out. And clearly he can't. Let me just, I do agree with you. In I will say this about the Southampton game. We were unlucky. I think we were unlucky. We, I mean, when you look at the, the stats it's pretty extraordinary we had we had 76 percent possession we had 88 percent pass accuracy 23 shots on goal six shots on target and the goal as you say was a bit freaky first of all ben white was like kind of punched <laughs> punched in his head um by his own goalkeeper and then kind of didn't know whether to get up immediately quickly or you know stay down because if he'd have stayed down 
uh, with a head injury, the referee in theory should have could have should have had to stop it. You know, I mean, it was a weird, it was a completely unfortunate last minute of the first half nightmare situation. Southampton's only chance that's real. I mean, that, statistically, they had two more shots on target. I don't remember them particularly. And then, as you say, the Saka chance particularly, you know, he could, he, you'd, you'd think he would have would scored that. And um, their goalkeeper, Fraser Forster, was was a, was literally a giant, wasn't he? And it pulled off some really good saves. So I do think we're unlucky. We, were, we played much better in that game than we, I, I think, in the previous two, certainly in the, in, in, the, the, the you know in in terms of attacking football, but I still feel like it's so blatantly obvious that we can't convert these chances, and they just look all the players, every, all of them look like they don't feel confident of scoring. It's a real like ish confidence thing for me, and I just can't see that being resolved anytime soon. Like I I, I feel like that's a real issue, and even though we had loads and loads of chances to score, I was never confident we would. And when we go down, when we go one, when we go goal down to any team. It's a complete disaster. Like our stat, our stats on that are absolutely diabolical, aren't they, Alan? It's like we just don't have the psychological nous to believe we can come back from a from a goal down, no matter who that team is. Yeah, I can only really recall the the Wolves game this the Wolves home game this season where where we where we did that. There might be a couple of other examples, possibly, but yeah, you often think if a team if a team do take their one chance in the game, we we suddenly feel up against it. I think. That also stems from the fact that the players are thinking we aren't a team that that score two or three goals regularly. So mm. you're yeah. sort of almost in for at least a, 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 only a point because you know you're 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 not sort of striking goals as regularly as a, as other teams in the division. Um, and when we meet other teams like that, that's that's when I sort of fear the most. But uh, in, even going away to Palace, you're thinking, well. I don't expect us to keep a clean sheet, but I think it will be open enough as a game that we get on the score sheet. So even that seems a bit seems a bit freaky. I, I think out of the three games, if we'd have had returned a haul of four points, no one would be arguing with that in on the basis of the performances. But when you return a haul of, of zero, you are starting to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, I, I did do Josh. My uh, I did tot up just very quickly. Um, I looked at the fixtures, the remaining fixtures for us, Manu and Spurs, and I did have unfortunately Manu and Spurs both having eleven points and us having ten, and which just suggests we, so. In, by my and my calculation, we're going to stay sixth. Unfortunately, I think Manu. I I, I, I think Manu is a real worry now. You know, I know they're absolute shit, and and um, it'll be absolutely embarrassing that you know from both Spurs and Arsenal's point of view if they get fourth. But I I feel at the moment they're going to do it somehow. I really do. It's really annoying me, but yeah, I know you're shaking your head, Josh. But that's my current feeling. Sorry. No, I I, I can't understand why you 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 started to feel like that. You look at United's squad, but you know Arsenal have got United at home. United, yes, okay, they you know you managed to scrape past Norwich, but you know it was a week ago they went down at. Oh, Everton, who are, you know, who have been in horrific form. I, I just think, don't get away. I, I think Alan. I don't know if he touched upon it. United are still about eight to one to to get the top four spot, and I think that sort of that tells change, you right, where right. that would change. But I tell you what also changes, boys. Yeah. Arsenal sneak, sneaking a one 0 at Stamford Bridge oh, okay. and sneaking away past. Uh, now let me, uh, you know, if we, Alan, if we take six points before Spurs kick off against, is it Brentford? They've got Saturday. I mean, it's not going to be so far off an even race, is it? 
If we no, can take six that's points. That's a big if. That's a huge if. But, I mean, of course it's a big if, but that's what we're dealing with, Boyd. No, it's, it's, it's a big price. We're we're eight to one to secure six points from the next two games. Eight to one. But obviously to do that would mean, as you say, we almost close it to be in an even match between ourselves and Tottenham for for the for the top four. Because let, let, let's bear in mind the market isn't exactly impressed with Tottenham because of the the, the way that they played against Brighton at the weekend. It's not saying it thinks Tottenham are wonderful. It's just adding up, as you, as you have done, the remaining fixtures and saying, look, on the most likely fall of these matches, it will be Tottenham that land it. Um, the, the United thing is is odd, really, because they're a team that have not put together more than two winning games in the Premier League all season. Um, they, they've not gone on any kind of streak. So it's almost... The fact that they've won at the weekend probably means that their next result will be a draw or a loss just because then they're not putting together any kind of consistency. So you, I think they're guaranteed to drop points. I mean, we had these silly prediction things going on uh, a couple of weeks ago where people say, well, all of Tottenham's games look easy. They'll win all of those. I mean, how long do you have to be a football fan to know that mm. you can write any set of fixtures down? And I really do mean any set of fixtures. You could put Manchester City as the home team against 20 uh, random sort of championship and lower lower Premier League games. They will not win all 20 of them because that's, that's just not the way it works. You know, football is a random low margin game at most ends of the spectrum other than... Yeah. That, you know, they do have quality players, so they should be winning these games. It's what keeps bookmakers in business, obviously. Yeah. Because um, we can't, you know, we can't predict. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, we, we, we won't be predicting any minute now. <laughs> the key to I will give my two predictions, right? We're going to draw at Chelsea Football Club in a hugely encouraging, spirited display, and we are going to beat Manchester United and the fourth spot race goes on with Arsenal taking four points out of six in the next uh, what are the few scores? days. What are the scores in those games? We're going to draw one all, at, one all at Chelsea and we're going to beat Manchester United by a goal to nil. Alan? I, I think we'll beat Chelsea 2-1 and wow. I think wow. we will beat Manchester United 2-0. Bloody hell. Uh, Alan amazing. is drunk. This is not the same Alan Alga. Who, who is this? Yeah, who is you? Who are you? Who are you? I'm I saying, think... I think we're going to be fucking slaughtered by Chelsea. I'm going to predict, uh, I'm going to predict 3-1 for that. Chelsea are going to win. And I think we're going to get a draw. We're going to struggle to a draw against Man U. I think it's going to be one all. And it's going to be fucking grim. And I think the downward spiral, I'm afraid, is going to continue. That's my pessimistic. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for joining us live from Tel Aviv, Israel. Alan, as ever, absolutely wonderful to hear you live from South of England. North London. North London. And uh, this is me, Boyd Hilton, signing off from Bermondsey. And we'll be back uh, next week. See you then. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Dot UK. Sports Social Podcast Network.